Good morning. It, let's just step back a little back into worship. Because the love of God is in this room. We are transactional people. But God's love doesn't need anything much from us. He died on the cross, even if you wouldn't do anything for him. He did it for you. That same love of God is in this room. Sometimes in progression of what we want, you know, how church has to move, we kind of refuse to step back into a moment of time where everything is open because of the love of God. But this morning, the invitation is come back to that love. Just come back to that love. Don't know who you are, don't know where you come from, but this love of God is open this morning for you. He died on the cross for you, shed his blood for you, took the stripes on his back, died and was resurrected. The salvation of God is open for you this morning. I don't know who you are. Just want you to know the love of God is being made perfect in us this morning. Because his love is perfect. Perfect love casts out all fear. Every fear of what the future holds, every fear of what is going to happen, what my life will look like, how it will be, is all taken care of because of the cross. In him, we live, we move, and have our being. This morning, if you're living away from God, if you're living away from Christ, there's a call for your life this morning. Come back. Come back. Come back. The love of God is in this room. So right now, every person in this room, we just receive that love. That love is so intense, it would burn your face, it would melt your face, it would melt every stony heart, it would heal every disease, it would put everybody in wrong mind space, set right in Jesus' name. That love is in this room. We're waiting for miracles, we're waiting for I don't know, whatever you want to call it, revivals, renewals, reformations. It's not, there's a, not a lack of vocabulary. But the love of God is this whole reason that Jesus came on earth. Just for that love. So even right now, where your mind cannot go, where your mind cannot understand, in this love, your heart is being circumcised to understand and feel the love of God. Sometimes it's just simple things we have to just understand. The love. Why are you doing this? Because of the love of God was shared in my heart. 
Why are we going out and even praying for people? Because of the love of God. Just right now. Every person, even if you know, I just feel this. Huh. Yeah. If you have any sick people that you know, and they're not in this room, we're just going to pray for them right now. I just feel this. We're going to send healing to wherever they are. So even right now, every person, you're able to do this. So Father, we come to you with these people, oh God, in our lives, oh God, that you have brought, oh God. And we release, oh God, as a family, oh God, we release that healing word, oh God, wherever they are, oh God. And we just say every kind of sickness has to go because the frequency of God is to be made whole. So every person in this room is being made whole. Every person, oh God, with the sound of my voice, oh God, and our voices, oh God, in unison, oh God, is being made whole, oh God, and everything that is counter to the frequency of heaven, oh God, right now has to fall. Has to fall. Tumors gone right now. Tumors, oh God, even as goiters have fallen in this church, oh God, and disappeared, oh God, we're just saying, oh God, tumors, oh God, to fall right now in Jesus' name. Every kind of kidney disease, every, any person with a report or even for kidney that some count or something has gone up, oh God, Father, right now, oh God, we are causing, oh God, that healing frequency to go in and right now heal, heal. Every kind of spinal condition, oh God, with a disc or something, and it has coming back, recurring, recurring, recurring disc, oh God. Father, we command it, oh God, right now, oh God, set right, set right in the name of Jesus. The frequency of heaven is to be made whole, and you are called to be made whole. So this morning, oh God, we speak wholeness, oh God, to entire body of Christ, oh God. We speak entirety, oh God, even to the people, oh God, who are in relationship with us because of the love of God is even spread for them, oh God. So we release it, oh God, right now. Just right now. Yeah. Today I feel like more than anything, I don't know, I may be just telling you stuff that is happening, maybe give you my take on some things, and then, because God's heart for you this morning is to know worship and prayer is the new tabernacle, you know, the tabernacle of David. So whatever else, like me preaching, is not part of that. It's worship and prayer. So whatever it takes, if you think that you have to give an eminence to the people who are like preaching, we are just sharing what God puts on our heart. But at one point in time, the church will get be taken over by worship. In worship today, God said, it's like, when you worship, continue worship, and worship until the glory comes. When Court was singing the glory of the Lord, it's like, we understand the presence of God, right? Every person in this place, if you've come for a little part, of, like you, you know when the presence is there, now you're just trying to put your understanding on it and pe people become fancy and they try to put lots of words around it, but nothing like just meeting the presence of God straight on and just saying, whoa, the presence is here. And we're worshiping and as a church, we will worship, we will worship, until the glory comes. And when the glory comes, the miracles will start happening. I have no other explanation for you. I sat in my car this morning. I dropped coat off and I just sat in the car and I just said, like, I just felt the song, just stand, I stand in awe of you. 
like, I stand, I stand, I stand in awe of you, holy God of whom all good things come. Like, you know, and in that moment, I just felt, and then in the same tune, miracles start popping in this room. Miracles start going everywhere. And I was like, God, are you going to do that today? Like, you know, for me, I have to know because I'm ministering, so I have to know, hey, God, where's your heart? What? You know, and he's like, yeah, I could do it today. I could do it whenever you want, but you'd have to basically stand in awe. As a church, when we basically learn to stand in awe in worship and just look at God and say, oh, God, you are wonderful. You're able to do all things exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, oh, God. And when we stand in that place of awe in worship, oh God, that suddenly when that glory of God just walks in and it touches people, and all we'll hear is screams, we'll hear cries, and we'll get disturbed because we are so caught up in worship that we basically don't want to be bothered by people even getting healed. I'm telling you, there is a time I heard these the sounds where I was like, I'm hearing these people get healed and I want to celebrate with them, but no, the presence of God is too much for me and I want to be here. There will be a church in the days to come which will yearn for the presence of God. And I say this word, yearn, because they will have nothing else to do but just for his presence. That's what I say. My message is stewarding intimacy. And in that, I, I always wonder, it's like, what is intimacy, right? And so when we were doing, like when Lena gave us that word, is like, hey, what is stewarding? I, I immediately like, yeah, intimacy is definitely one of the four. Like I had like four messages from that, like, like this, once I read this. And to me, it was like, but I'd take you back to this place, Matthew 5, 14 and to 16 in the Passion Translation. Your lives light up the world. Okay. In other translations, it says, you are the light of the world. So let's start the conversation there. You are the light of the world. So whatever you feel that today you do not have or you do not look like or what, I'm here to tell you the Bible says you are the light of the world. That's it. This is the beginning of the conversation. He is light, and he's saying you are the light of the world. We, we come to an understanding where we think that what we do disqualifies us. But because of what he did on the cross, it basically gives us an, an opening to come back to that place and say, hey, I am the light of the world. And we stand back in our calling with the full understanding of heaven, the full glory of heaven behind us, because you are the light. The light carries all the frequencies in it. You know, so whether you need a healing, it's in that frequency. Whether you need your mental condition to be changed, it's in that frequency. It, we, what we don't understand is the sound of God, like when he says the word. The sound of the Lord is like many waters. And they'll be like, you know, think of like the ocean and like, woo. In, initially, when you sit by the ocean, it's noisy. Have you, have you figured it out? When we are, sit, we are all city people, right? And then, you know, people who go to Galveston and they live like Everett, he loves Galveston. But once you get there, the first few hours are very difficult. 
because you're like that noise oh my god that noise now how do you filter it out it's like you know we lived when i was in school i lived by a train station uh, train that would go by by apartments and you developed a filter you know that now you no longer heard the train in the same way you sometimes don't hear that in worship we as a church can sometimes get to that place where we tune out god because we are busy singing the words we're doing the things and all that so this okay let let, let me go back to this light of the world <laughs> for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place instead it's placed when where everyone in the house can benefit from its light you know when people try to make you hide who you are your the glory that god has put in you and try to like put shame on you and all that's very counter to what god is doing because shame is not from god okay so don't hide your light let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them and they will give their praise to your father in heaven so basically it's saying hey be the light that you're called to be do the good works because people will see it and praise god who is in heaven in simple language right i i like passion because it gives you more words <laughs> it's just like but but in simplicity that's what it is is like hey this is what we're going to do we're just going to be the light right so you're not saying oh i have to get some modification or something you are the light you were made from as light so you're not doing something very different this is where we were talking about identity you know what's funny in worship there are some people who worship and i've been in church a few decades <laughs> i'll say it that way and you hear them praise god and today you know that they are in understand their identity because they're praising god loudly and then a few weeks later you don't hear anything but they are in the room next to you and you're like i don't even hear them whisper you see sometimes we lose our identity we walk away or we have challenges of understanding god's identity for you is the same yesterday today and forever because he never changed all you did was you chose to go and think differently of who he is he is the same god who is ready to forgive you today tomorrow day after tomorrow so why would your praise change why would your worship change why would i be screaming hallelujah loudest hallelujah today and then i come to the evening service and the person doesn't even want to worship god where do we get these concepts from because again because that in such a short time our identity got stolen from us again because of a wrong mindset because of a wrong thinking and we just have to get back to that place the scripture is matthew 25 and starting from verse 1 to 13 in the passion it says the verse 1 says when my coming draws near i like this part of it when my coming draws near because for this scripture passage is basically explaining to you when will these five virgins you know five young women and another five with oil and without oil will come is when god's coming comes near this is a set of believers who are born again who know god who know that he is coming back so this is referring to the church in the church there's a demarcation of two different kinds of people 
one who both of them have lamps, right? Now, to to me, huh, okay, I'll try to put it a little different. In worship, the reason why we worship is because we get to see heaven and Jesus and understand, and everything becomes vibrant, right? When you have a lamp, and we have said we do miracle signs and wonders and all, we, that, that's the lamp, the light of God. We are doing just what a lamp does. We're just being the light, and we're doing that. So when you're doing miracle signs and wonders, and you're doing healings and giving prophetic words and all, you're giving a small understanding of heaven. And when you're in worship, the vibrancy of heaven you receive, and now you combine it with that word that you got, and you give it, and suddenly that just blows your mind. Because you have every detail, you have every understanding from the scripture, from the heart of God, and from heaven's perspective, and you're able to release it in the full wholeness. What happens is that we are able to prof prophetically and give words but what we have done, we're just giving those words, and we may be accurate. But what I missed out in worship, because I don't worship, is that I'm unable to capture that whole glory of God and put it in those few seeming words to create a whole atmosphere where the person can walk away from this room with that atmosphere. You see, what you're dealing with is your words are seeds. Right? What we're sowing is prophetic word. We're releasing a prophetic word. But because I don't care much about worship, I've not captured the other seeds of glory and I've not been able to release it because nobody, like, I'm responsible for what I carry. Right? So the lamp that you carry, you're responsible for it. So when you worship, you have the opportunity. Everyone in this room has the opportunity to receive more than you need. And I say this not lightly. I want you to feel jealous. In worship, I have multiple encounters with God. The minimum number I'll give you is three. Now what? Why would I have that? It's not that I have to minister. It's not that I have to preach. It's not only I'm talking about today. It's every time I worship. I, I'll sit with the word and I'll just have an encounter with that. With the word, because in that is the true meaning of where everything comes to light and becomes one, and there's a reality of heaven that suddenly comes in, and I understand it better. Each of you will understand it better in a very different way. But when we basically check out because we don't want the fullness of heaven, we'll do the lamp work. We'll just say, Hey, I'll lay hands on you and you're going to be healed. Oh, I have a prophetic word for you. I'll give you a prophetic word. But I don't capture the very essence of heaven. Do you see why are you responsible? Because you, again, in that, did what you think worship is because you think giving your tithes is only worship. So you just gave a portion of it. You didn't give full worship. In the same way, when you're doing the work of God, when you're being the lamp of God and you're releasing heaven, you're only doing a portion of it and you're not completing your whole assignment because you're not capturing in worship what is required. You see, we have never thought the church, because I want you to learn worship yourself, Dalton. I want you to learn by yourself and I want you to 
And then one day I'll basically, because, you know, we think church is like a race, right? Whoever gets to the finish line first, oh, you're well, you are able to understand that. Oh, because you have miracle signs and wonders backing you. No. Worship is worship. The least of us is able to worship. You know, I'll tell you a very funny thing. I don't know if you know this, Kathy. The first day you came into church, you stood behind me, and I just knew there was somebody who was a worshiper. That's who you are. That's, I don't know anything about you. I don't even, but I just turned, like I just knew on my left side there's somebody who's worshiping. There's a frequency that worship carries. And each of us, when we are in the same frequency, are able to basically cause the other person to move in worship. The same frequency. That's why it's right to have the same frequency of heaven. We constantly move with that. We have that. And, we, you know, and that's what brings us in unison. That when anything wrong comes into this place, we are all in unison that tumors have to go. It doesn't matter what we other people think. It doesn't matter because in this room, this is our arena. This is the frequency. This is the presence. This is what we stand. This is what we display. This is what we move in. And we least of us, when even you think you are not able to, how many of you have never prayed for the sick? Anybody in this room? You've never prayed for the sick. Okay. Say, there you go. So now that, that, now that will be something that you have to do. Because you carry the frequency of heaven. There you go. See, it's very scary, right, when you ask something like this to a church. That, hey, have you never prayed for somebody sick? Like, you know, I could say, okay, how many of you have never given a prophetic word? And I'll have more hands than, you know, that. But... Praying for the sick is very normal. This is who we are called to do. You know, that's what Mark 16 basically says. You know, heal the sick, raise the dead, you know, cast out demons. But where do I want to go with this? The five virgins had the lamp, but they had very little oil because they never chose to steward intimacy, which comes through worship. They chose to just do what they knew they could do, but they never came to the place of, hey, let me buy oil. Hey, I have half an hour today. Let me just go and worship. You know, in the yearning, we basically tend to just put everything that is of lesser value to the side and go with the presence of Jesus. That's what will happen. Like, you know, when you think that you're scrolling on your phone and you're just, oh, even if you're Christian, Okay, And you're just scrolling on your phone and everything is Christian in your feed, maybe, which I don't believe, really. Because I, I, I literally had to discontinue my Instagram account because there was just crap coming on my phone. So I just discontinued it. And when you basically go through that and you just think that, oh, I'm spending so much time with God because I'm reading every this thing, you know, every testimony that's coming on that. And you wonder what it would be if you just had to hide away with him for 15 minutes or 10 minutes because you're yearning, you know? Like, how would I say it? Okay, when I think of court, even in the most busy thing, I try to at least text. There'll be at least a simple message that goes out, you know, and court laughs with it because sometimes I answer back with a K. Just all, all I say is K, and I'm like, hey, I'm moving on, because that's all I could, you know, muster at that time. And sometimes our worship basically looks like that. 
We, we have this, and where God's really wanting to spend time with us, and all we muster to say is, okay, we just, you know what, God, I'll just give you that. And, and we basically choose worship like that because we think it's like, hey, I did my tithes, right? And we have told the church, it's like, your tithe is your worship. It is part of your worship. It is not your whole worship. So when you rob God, you're robbing God also of worship because that's the only thing that he receives because tithes is to the church, for the working of the church, for the people who run the church and everything. That's what tithes does. It's for the storehouse of God to be maintained. Worship is what Jesus gets. And how many times we don't give Jesus the worship because we don't want to worship. And we have robbed God of the only thing that he can understand and wants from us. He doesn't want anything else. Right? When I told you in the beginning that God's love basically doesn't want anything else, you can basically count this against me, but his love really wants you to love him back. But he doesn't force you. He doesn't cause you to say, hey, kneel down and pray this 10 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers or whatever. I grew up Catholic, okay? So I did all that thing, whatever it is, you know, my act of contrition and everything. I did all of that, okay? And for me, when... Today is my grandmom's birthday, and I have to say about her because my grandmom would pray for me every night I would go out. And until I didn't come back, she was with a little prayer book praying. Didn't matter what state I was in, I would come back home every night because of her prayers. Constantly. There was nothing. And her one deal was, on Sunday, you have to go to church. You had to go to church, didn't matter what. So, you know, when you do the whole Saturday night routine and you show up like you're like, all right, if I go home, I'm never going to get up till I basically have to go to church. There'll be no church service. So I would go at the morning service, early morning, five o'clock to church because of my grandmom. That was the whole deal I had. That was the only one thing she asked. She never asked me why you're doing this. She never lectured me or anything. And literally in communion, I would sober up. In communion, I would go and think of it. Okay, I'm Catholic. And in India, I think we are more conservative. And suddenly when, you know, the bell rings where there's the whole thing, like the body becomes real, my hands would go out and like I would just stand over there and sober up instantly. Communion has the power of God to the saved and the unsaved to set them right. We sometimes take away communion from people, but hey, in simplicity, this communion has the power of God to heal you the body and the blood. And so in worship, where we basically come is we want to step into this new. So I have news for you, right? So Ashbury, right? Everybody heard of Ashbury? Or if you didn't hear about Ashbury, Ash Ashbury. I say Ashbury. I don't know why. I put an H to that. H silent, okay, like humble. <laughs> No, so, so in Asbury, basically, what these guys, all they did, there was nothing they had to work up. It just, they started praying. So if the tabernacle of David is worship and prayer, these guys started praying, and prayer basically caught them up into worship. Now, in worship, were they worried about the healings? Were they worried about the prophetic words that you were basically going? I'm telling you, I've given a lot of people prophetic words, and they've never come back to church. Not that my prophetic words were wrong. <laughs> Okay, I prophesied to people who were barren and they had kids and all and they didn't even say that. And they just walked out and they never ever came back to church. 
And I'm fine with that because according to what was given to me, I was able to release. To, as you release, the more you release, the more you get. Right? So when people are very worried about, oh, this is my anointing, I cannot give it to you and all. It's true in a sense because in this worship, in this oil, this oil is not transferable. This you have to buy on your own. I can give you the anointing to pray for the sick and say, okay, it's transferable. But an anointing of intimacy is not transferable. To a church, I have this to tell you, is that sorry, it's not going to be given freely to you. You have a price to pay for this. What price are you ready to pay? You want it easy. You want me to lay hands on you and release it? I can release the healing anointing. I can release the resurrection power of God. But I cannot give you freely intimacy. Stewarding intimacy is where the church has to learn to walk in. If I told you this coming Passover, Passover April 5 to 13, am I right? Right? Okay. Passover is coming. There are a lot of prophets and apostles who came into town and said, this coming Passover, the re uh, revival in Houston is going to begin. So I have news for you. If revival is going to begin April 5 to April 13 for the next three and a half years, okay, how much time do you have left? All the math people, please help me. Days. How many days do we have left? Come on. Yeah, give me some day, random day. 20 days? We have 20 days left. Okay, let's go with 20. In 20 days, you're tasked with the idea that you basically have to buy oil of intimacy for a revival. 20 days, you're basically going to have to buy oil of intimacy through worship for revival to sustain a revival of three and a half years. Is that possible? In our minds, in our strength, is it possible? No. It is only possible because of the Holy Spirit. It is only possible because when we have the right heart and our heart basically automatically turns and yearns for God that we just want to love on Him, that we are able to purchase oil for the next few days maybe. And we are going to develop and we are going to walk in these things. So how much more important is worship to you now? Right? I, why I'm sharing this with you, because this, this next moves of God, okay, I'm not even saying there's one move of God. People are saying, okay, this is the third great awakening, because the second was also in Kentucky, and the third was also in Kentucky. But I believe in the multiple moves of God. What if basically you have basically disqualified yourself because of the lack of time that you, or the time that you have wasted, and you now have 20 days to get ready, it's like me studying for exams, and I would study last minute, like try to read the whole book and try to make all these notes and not be really prepared. Preparation is key for the church in the coming days. We basically can choose to basically say, oh, I'm okay, I'm only going to church on Sunday. But hey, the preparation is on a daily basis. What you're missing out is that you're basically saying that, okay, I'm going to show up. So basically, if I came Sunday to Sunday and rapture happened on Wednesday, I would not know it for three days later. And I'd be like, where the heck these people came? Why is the door not open? Why is the coffee not ready? Why, 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 why? That's all that church will have. The left behind church. And we're not work, working with that kind of a rapture mentality. We're working with that mentality is that, hey, on a daily basis, if I was in tune with the Holy Spirit, 
I got raptured, and those other people also got raptured wherever they are in their houses, and we suddenly met in this heaven, and we basically said, wow, wonder what happened to the rest. Would we really? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, really when, <laughs> really when I get to heaven, I think I would be more enamored by Jesus. I would be more enamored by, you know, when friends of ours get together, and we talk about things. We don't talk about people more than anything. We talk about, hey, when we went to heaven, what was worship like? What was the throne room like? And why I'm telling you this is not with the brag. Or, you know, I want you to feel that, hey, I'm missing out on this. There's something I'm missing out on. It's real. Heaven is real. Throne room is real. We wonder how many people are there. Yes, there are multitudes of people, but all your heart just goes to is the face of Jesus. You're not worried about the elders and what they're doing. I, I wondered how John even wrote that. Like, you know, I guess he was tasked to write it, so he wrote it by the Holy Spirit. But when you go to heaven, all you basically see is Jesus. And you could be far behind, right? I was not like the front row, okay, like, you know, I was behind. Okay, I'm telling you this also so that you understand. In heaven, people are a lot of this thing. But Jesus, because of his goodness and kindness, is still so close to you that you're able to see him. There was no preaching. There was nothing. It was just worship. This was, was heaven. And we talk about this because we compare, hey, how did the throne, this thing look? What was the colors? You know, and you're, you're trying to understand it because you have an understanding of what the Bible says. But now when you have an experience and you go to heaven and you see these things and it becomes real to you, you are, you're comparing it with the other person. Did you see it or was it bad pizza? Right? We're being honest. Right? We, we, have, to, we have to be able to talk this. The, otherwise, this will be like hiding things under a bushel. The light of God, when I went to heaven, was because of the radiancy of heaven, just filled me that I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. But in the old days, we were told, hey, keep your encounters to yourself. You know, hey, you met Jesus. Okay, fine. The whole church doesn't have to know. Why not? It's available to them. Why not? It didn't make me better than them. It didn't basically put me on a pedestal and say, oh, he had an encounter from heaven. Every kid is supposed to have an encounter from heaven. It's like, where in the world do we come with these concepts? Right? And this is how we basically have filtered it and adulterated what heaven is. And because we want to manipulate it the way that the church sometimes wants to do things. And it's up to people, right? Perfection and imperfection. To me, if I look at quote and all I think about is what are her imperfections, I will con the concept in my head will all be negative. When we think about God and all we look at the church and we try to find the imperfections of the church, we have taken away from the beauty of Jesus because we have never looked in the face of God and we have only seen what other people have done. And nothing will basically come compare or God will not even have a listen, I think, when you go to heaven about, oh, they did this and they did that and those people were tricky and that. He says, but I was the same yesterday, today and forever. There was nothing I changed, right? When I co you come to heaven and I am the authority in heaven and you say, hey, they did this and they did that, but did I? Right? My question to you would be, if Jesus says, did I do this? Did I mess up? Did I? No. 
then what, I don't know how you can even take what other people did and put it on Jesus because that was not what Jesus did. Where do we come with these concepts? You know, we, we need to learn to break these concepts because each of us are so important that he calls you the light of heaven. You are the light of the world. You're representing Jesus wherever you are. So in worship is where you're buying oil. One concept I'm being honing and honing and honing because in these next days, you cannot get left behind because you didn't have oil. I don't want you to miss this first move of God also because you didn't have oil. Get enough to at least get in the dough. At least don't miss that first day. You know, hey, I've been in church long enough where I've seen people like, you know, who started with me, have not been with me, and then people came and then they are not there. And you just have that understanding of, hey, I just want to see you with me. Come on, let's make it. Like, you know, it's like Chris, myself, Izzy, and Alex. You also there, right, with us? We went to New York, right? And for some reason, our gate was the last gate, right? And it was like, I don't know how we ran. I don't even run. I just walk, really. It's like, Izzy, Chris, we, we sent Chris. Chris was our, like, lead. He, Chris, ran, 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 right? Got in over there. So you delayed them from closing the door for a few seconds. That's the last flight out, okay? We have all our reservations. And all. Then I think Alex, and Alex went, then you, and then Izzy, and then me, right? So by the time, like, Alex got in, he figured out that every time you lift the luggage compartment, open it, they would, they'd not close the door. So he kept buying us time by opening it. He just kept buying us time by opening it. And the, people, the stewardess would come to him. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm searching. You know? and, and Alex has that good smile. He'll smile and then put it down. You know? And then I think, who else? Izzy did that or something. But anyway, I made it in. I made it in. So, you know, it's just one of those funny things. Yeah, and we stayed at... Love Nest number 17. Five guys staying at a place in New York called Love Nest number 17. <laughs> but, but I want you to basically not miss that first day of the wedding with God. This whole concept is basically for you not to miss out. You know, when I think of Jack, right? So Jack was a person I prayed for. Jack's sitting over here, by the way. He's not somewhere else. But I prayed for him, and I didn't even know that he got healed. Okay, when we make a big thing about healing and all that, we're trying to basically receive glory to ourselves, not to God. Okay, so when he got healed of what? Partial blindness or medically confirmed blindness, right? From birth, okay, he got healed of that. It didn't matter to me because I didn't know because I never healed him. He had to come back and tell us. In this coming move of God, each of you have a part to play. Like Naomi, who has never prayed for people, will have to pray for people and they'd have to get healed. Not because of what Naomi did, but because of who Jesus is. Because of the price paid on the cross. I see, we have to come up with the concept of, hey, I may not be full, I may not be healed completely, but I'm able to pray for the sick and the sick will recover because of the goodness of God. So even right now, Right? The song of I stand in awe of you. I believe strongly there will be days of awe. 
I looked for the website, by the way. I don't know if I ever said this before. I looked for the days of awe. In the coming days, there will be days of awe where we will stand and watch God move in miracles, signs, and wonders and just be in awe that all this was possible. But we never chose to move into that direction. This is a wake-up call. This is a call to the church. Because as Chuck Pierce says, there's a glory dome resting over Houston. And this glory dome for the next three and a half years is going to have miracle signs and wonders. And Houston is in the center of it. But the dome is not resting on earth. It's in heaven. It's like half the way. So the church on earth has to come half the way. And how do you do that? In worship, you basically ascend. And you basically are able to enthrone God with these praises. Like tell God that how beautiful he is. Like how we were singing. You are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You are glorious, glorious, glorious. You are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We, our hearts automatically sing that rhythm of heaven. Sing what heaven wants to give Jesus. Because heaven cannot give them what we have in our hearts. You are responsible for what you have within you to give Jesus. So everything we basically withhold from Jesus is something that he's never going to get. You see, when I was a kid, if I was told, hey, sing with all what you have, worship with all that you have, do you know? By like, I think I would believe by two years at least, I would have been able to understand more better the concepts of heaven and not have to walk away from God. I never grew up in church. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I read the Bible when I was 21 years old. I read Philippians 4.13. And that's how I began, really. I read it. My Bible had white ants in it. Okay, It was gifted to me. I never opened it for so many years that it had white ants in it. And sometimes we as a church do not connect to the real word of God until we basically need it. But there's an invitation this morning to you that this re revival that God is going to bring is going to be a revival of his presence. It's not going to be about the miracle signs and wonders that we basically desire. It will be a revival of his presence where our hearts will turn to him. That's where the turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers will come. In this time in the world, it, if I had to liken it to when the enemy comes in, right, God lifts up a banner. What if revival of his presence was God's way of raising a banner for when the enemy comes in? All of you all went and watched, you know, that love revolution and all. There was a scarcity of God's presence in those times. There was like everything. People didn't know what they were thinking. The young people didn't have a concept of it. And in that, when the enemy came in and you, he thought he had full control of everything, God came in as a flood and raised a banner where a generation of people who got saved then are generals of the faith today. You see, today where we think that, hey, I don't know whether saying I'm a Christian is good enough or is even considered okay. No, 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 that's fine. That's the world. Don't worry about that. Because God's plan is that when it's so, what everything is diminished, he's going to come in like a flood. The love of God is going to come in like a flood 
and cause people to turn their hearts back to him. He's going to draw them. In my capacity, in my understanding, in my language, I'm unable to do that. But the love of God, when the Spirit of God comes in, that's why you worship till the glory comes. Worship. Can she get the keys? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we're good. So I'm just going to worship. But in, in worship, I'm going to even pray. Because as a church, we're called a house of prayer. And sometimes prayer is only relegated to Wednesdays. And so all of you are welcome to stand. We're going to pray and just see how God wants to move. So, Father, we just come to you this morning, O oh God, as a church, O oh God. And, Father, we are pressing in, O oh God, for what you have in store for us. What was written, O oh God, before time, O oh God, over our lives, O oh God. That we are able, O oh God, to step into, O oh God, things, O oh God, that you have created, O oh God. That your eyes have seen, your heart has dreamt, O oh God, your mind has conceived, O oh God, for us, O oh God.